3: Would you believe it?
0: This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
3: Here's your boy, Q. When there's a GM search and a potential head coach search, you've got to do similar to the team. You've got to... You can do. you got to pick up every stone. you got to uh, turn it over. you got to look at it. you got to investigate it. you got to break it down, and you got to see what it's all about. The team is doing that, and we're doing that. We're doing our due diligence here on Raider Nation Radio 920, and we're going to jump into another potential candidate who's going to come in, or is supposed to, scheduled to come in and visit with the Raiders, and that's 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. And to help us break him down is uh, Jose Sanchez, my guy, covers the 49ers like a glove uh, for SI, does a fantastic job. And Jose, welcome to the show, my man. Appreciate your time. And D'Amico Ryans, only been a defensive coordinator for the 49ers one year, uh, after uh, after uh, Sala, Robert Sala left for the Jets head coaching job, what can you tell me about D'Amico Ryans? Why is he so attractive so quickly?
4: Oh, man, D'Amico Ryans is a stud, man. I mean, the results <laughs> this guy has just put on for the 49ers in year one. I mean, it, you, you, can't, you can't do more than just tip of the cap, man. That's all you got to do with this guy. It's just phenomenal work. I mean, personally, I was a little skeptical that he would be able to hit the ground, you know, running this hard. Because Robert Sala was a phenomenal coach in his own right, right? You know, even even last season in 2020, he did a lot more with less than he did in 2019, when the Niners went on that that phenomenal run with that defense. And for D'Amico Ryan, who in his first year with only with only just four years, uh, four to five years of being a coach in the league, he was a linebackers coach. First year calling right. plays. That says a lot about the character and the player that he was, and the leader he is, and how he, and how he is from an intelligence standpoint. I mean, he has the 49ers ranked top 10 in like every category i mean the one that stands out to me is third down you know the niners mm-hmm. are top five in uh and first down percentage allowed whether it's on the ground or whether it's through the air i mean they're phenomenal They they get off the field and they give the offense possession so they can give debo Samuel and that ferocious offense work but to me it's more than just the numbers that he's putting up the play calling because that's, that's that's an attractive feat But to me, it's something that he said weeks ago, and this is why I attribute him to being the number one reason for why the 49ers are in the the playoffs in the first place, is he said something about it's not about a style that I want to do. He has no specific philosophy. He said it's about what you can get the players to do and who the players that you have and what you can get them to do. So pretty much he's saying it's not my way or the highway. It's, hey, what can I do to get my guys – but in the optimal state. So if he's the head coach of the, of the Raiders, you can feel plenty confident that not only is the defense going to be feeling impacted, but he's going to acknowledge the offense. What can I do to get this skill set of players to bring the best? Who can I, who can I bring in? What coordinator can I bring in to make sure that these guys are at their best? And So to me, that's these are all like the standouts of why – He's such a phenomenal coordinator slash coach.
3: You know, and I know that the Raiders aren't the only team that has interest in him. It sounds like the Vikings might go ahead and make him the head coach uh, sooner rather than later anyway. So I don't even know if he's going to get this interview in with the, the silver and black. But how much for folks that are going to say, yeah, but the 49ers have had really solid defenses for multiple years now. Again, going back to Robert Sala, he's just kind of uh, he maybe improved what they already had that was going really well.
2: Yeah, um,
4: it's right now there's actually going starting to be a debate about whether or not Ryan's is better than Salah, and rightfully so. I mean, I'm I'm not ready to go there yet, right. but you know what? I wouldn't blame you if you said that because I could see either or case. I could. I'm definitely leaning towards more of the side of conceding that man. Ryan's is Ryan's is doing the thing, and the fact that their cornerback situation has been bleak for most of the year. I mean, he's be able to overcome that. He was able to overcome D. Ford being injured. You know Javon Kinlaw, who's their, their standout, who was supposed to be their highly coveted first-round pick, who just hasn't really been able to get it going. And so, pretty much that defensive front, all they've had was Nick Bosa. You know, he was the highest double-teamed um, double-teamed edge rusher in the league, and he was still able to dominate and overcome. But it's more, it's more, it's more than just Bosa. You know, how was he, how was Domingo Ryan's going to overcome that? Right. And so, what he was able to do, and along with defensive line coach Chris who who's said himself. You know, figure out getting the guys to do more stunts, do some more trickery, add in a few more blitzes, which is something Salah didn't really do aside from last year. Um, and it's just it's just what he does. He just adapts. He recognizes, okay, Bosa's going to get double teams And, my God, Bosa still blows by him. But still, what if he wasn't able to? Right. What if he wasn't able to get past through most of those double teams? And So that's, to me, he's able to adapt almost just as fluid, if not better, and just create things out of pocket for that he just does. And I think it's because of he played the game. You know, when you look at D'Amico Ryan's career, he was always a leader. You know, mm-hmm. even as, as last tenure with the, with the Eagles, I believe he was even a captain at some point. So, I mean, the guy just knows how to play. So, there could be some skepticism about what, if this is actually like fool's gold because you know it is early. But to me, it's like, hey, he played in the league for, for what, double-digit years, I believe. Right. And he was always playing at a relatively high level. Um, the guy knows ball. And he was able to turn out a great linebacker core And Fred Warner. You can credit him for his Fred mm-hmm. Warner's development because he was a coach. You know, Drake Greenlaw, a nice nice young kid who's going to keep getting better. Z Al-Shahir, um, it's just everything he's done, everything objectives put in his face, he's able to accomplish that and then some. So he's exceeding expectations. So it's no doubt in my mind that he probably is better than Salah, and if the Raiders were somehow giving him this job, uh, that he would be a great candidate and a great player for that, for uh, a great coach for the Raiders to
3: hire. I'll tell you this, Jose, I'm going to ask you about somebody. And I know Raider nation is going to cringe when I say his name, but I saw from a distance that he had put up pretty good numbers this year. Arden key, former Raider Arden (laughs) key. He tell me about him, man. What did he do this year? And how did they get so much out of him that the Raiders weren't able to get out of him? You he laughed, Daman. Wait, laughing. hold on, hold on, hold on, Jose. <laughs> Devon is laughing, but he got a lot out of him. There was a, Art and Key actually performed this year.
5: Maybe Demigo Ryan's best job then. How about that? <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, it's just funny because you're saying explain to me. Well, first of all, how about the job that
4: um, Chris Kesserik is doing? I mean, the coaching staff on the Niners is significantly better, in my opinion, than the Raiders is right now, especially defensively. So, I mean, Chris Kesserik, no matter who gets, no matter what group gets to that, gets to him. He's able, to, he's able to make these guys work. I mean, I could think of a great example. Last year, Chris Carey-Heider came to the team of the 49ers with a stud. I think I had like seven sacks or so. Goes to the Seahawks this season. He's a dud now. So it's pretty much it's the magic of him. And then the credit to the Ryan's as well. You know, he's able, to, he's able to motivate his guys, get them in the situation to utilize more of those stunts and get them isolated. You know, a lot of mixing and matching and keeping an offensive line guessing. But it's just the job of just pretty much those two. And then pretty much, you know, sometimes you need a new change of scenery, man. You know, it's not always can, – it can't just be always like, you know, maybe just the player's fault or the team's fault. Maybe it was both their fault. So it, was, so, so it ended up working out well because, you know, Raiders got Solomon Thomas. He did solid for, for the Raiders. Um, and then Arden Key, but, yeah, Arden Key really turned it up like week 10 and above. He pretty much had a sack in every game, and is still doing a great job, like, holding his front, creating penetration, pressuring the quarterback, and freeing up other guys. You know, in the tandem with him and Eric Armstead, especially kicking to the inside, Man, and I, I think if one thing is that's definitely noticeable, other than just the coaching, is just Arden Key's getting moved a lot. He's not just strictly edge. I've seen him get kicked inside, and so they're mixing and matching with him. They'll kick him inside, they'll have him step outside. So it's just pretty much they're treating him like like a like a baseball pitcher. You know, here's the curveball, here's the fastball. You yeah. keep guessing at what Arden Key's going to do, and so it's pretty much and he's he's answered the call. He's executing it at a high level. So tip of the cap to what the coaches and what he's done, and it's really working out. He's become the, easily their best free agent signing, probably of. Of the 49ers this last off season.
3: It, it pained me to ask that question myself. Wow. I mean, it really did. It, it pained me to ask that question because I knew he was doing well. I mean, I paid attention enough to know that he was doing w- well with the 49ers. And so, uh, yeah, Arden, almost their key with the Raiders is almost is, is the guy that getting there. Three
5: sacks with the Raiders in three years, but almost a sack in every game after week 10 this season. Wow.
3: Right. He's uh, Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he, he's he's stepped up. He's really uh, played a major role. Again, we're talking with Jose Sanchez right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, talking a little bit of 49ers and D'Amico Ryans. But, my man DeMond here has got someone else that he wants to talk about that's a coach on the 49ers, and it ain't D'Amico Ryans. And this guy, he's got like a man crush on this dude. And I'm going to let him, I'm going to turn the sticks over to him. Go ahead, DeMond, do your thing.
5: Yeah, I've done a complete 180. After he did the who, Mike Jones, I was like, oh, this guy's corny. Get him out of here. But, you know, Mike McDaniel, I've turned, I've did the 180.
4: Why isn't he getting any
5: love to be a head coach?
4: Because he's not the play caller. I think that's why, because he's not the play caller, and he kind of seems like a little bit of a risk um, the only reason why I think he would be attractive is because his tenure, like how long he's been in the league. And he's pretty much has been tied to the hits of Kyle Shanahan for the vast majority of his career, which is great to see anytime, you're t- you know, the same thing where they say, oh, the Shanahan tree, the Belichick trees, and so on and so forth tree. So that's pretty much where he's with Kyle Shanahan. I think the reason why he's not becoming a commodity is because he's, he's not a play caller. And honestly, I'm a little surprised he, the Miami Dolphins are the team that I saw first saw sniff him out was wow. Really? I mean, he's a great mind. Don't get me wrong and I, I, it's just kind of hard to really fully formulate a concrete opinion about him because he doesn't call the plays. And I'm not saying, you know, not calling the plays is, you know, the end-all be-all because there's been plenty of coaches who don't do that and can still be, you know, good coaches. But the point is, he is a great part of why Canada Shanahan's running game is phenomenal. So since Shanahan's it over the 49ers, he had two coaches in his back pocket. It was Mike McDaniel and it was uh, Mike For LaFleur, Matt LaFor's brother, the head coach of the Packers. Um Magcoflor was the passing game coordinator. He would help you know structure the passing game, and um, McDaniel was the running game coordinator. So a lot of what you're seeing with the blocks and the creativeness with Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, and everyone else, that can be accredited largely as well to Mike McDaniel, not just Kyle Shanahan. So when you see those successful run plays, all those motions, all those little trickery, um, it's not just Shanahan to Daniel. Shanahan will be the first to tell you, like, oh my God, I'd be lost, I'd be a lost cause without Mike. And a lot of that formulates with each other throughout the week. Um, It was definitely felt in the first half of the season when the Niners offensively weren't effective, when they lost the four to the Jets, but you can kind of see both of them probably are now realizing, like, hey, it's more on us now to figure it out. And so, to me, I think that's why he's ultimately not getting much love because they're like, hey, people are probably saying, oh, it's all Shanahan. When, yeah, it's all Shanahan. He's the one that's calling the plays, so he does deserve top of credit, but... Man, do not overlook what uh, Mike McDaniel is doing, but I understand why he took a 180 when he tried really hard with the Mike Jones. I laughed, and I was like, okay, now you're trying way too hard. Cause you know everyone's giving you too much credit. About your little corny pressers Because he was a little bit You
5: guys are haters You guys <laughs> are haters man. I like
2: it I like it
4: his First presser
5: <laughs> I know Like I saw it, like, You guys those- are Mike haters Jones is like Okay y'all, let's take it back to 06
3: We get you it just made You just mad Because bro, it ain't but- It ain't little Drury Or whoever the- <laughs> I don't know It doesn't matter Everyone's a little somebody It don't matter and they all sound the same. Nah, 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 if you would have been like, "Yo, we, the running game's going strong because we pushing P." I'd have been like, "Yo, give <laughs> him the oh. head coaching job right now." Unbelievable, unbelievable. I failed on that last week, Jose. He said pushing P, and I had no idea what he was talking about. He was out of my age range, so that's my oh, fault. My
2: God.
3: That's my fault. You youngsters, man. You youngsters. Jose knows exactly where you're coming. Jose is my homeboy, though. So I get, I get, uh, I get credibility just by association. So I'm good. <laughs> All is good. Let me ask you this. Uh Jimmy G, all he's doing is winning games. Trey Lance, all he's doing is standing on the sideline holding the clipboard. What's going to shake out with these two guys?
4: Uh that's going to be fun. You know, I've never looked forward to more of off-season while I'm actually in the off-season since I've been coming to the 49ers and that's one of them, right? I mean, <laughs> I had raised a question to a friend of mine actually months ago saying, "Hey, you know, say let's when the 49ers were, were looking kind of bleak in the playoffs, right? What happens if the 49ers make a a run to the NFC title game or even the Super Bowl? Watch the 49ers actually entertain bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. And as much as I am totally against it and think it would be completely irresponsible, delusional, considering what you gave up in Trey Lance, considering that Lance is workable, and I do think had Lance started week one, the 49ers would be relatively in the same, if not closer to, to, to this position that they are now. But I do think. Because Shanahan is such a short- time side of coach, he doesn't really see like the whole the future. He doesn't project as well. He just looks at them now. That's why they never gave Lance a chance. If the 49ers were to win this game, go to the Super Bowl, especially win the Super Bowl, I I definitely would. They're definitely going to entertain. I wouldn't rule out anything that they're going to keep Jimmy G. I mean, sure you could say, well, Trey Ball is going to be high. Maybe they can actually recoup a first round pick. Yeah, okay. You know, but I just wouldn't fully rule it out. I do not think it's impossible. And then you're going to keep Trey Lance on the sideline, like a Jordan Love situation, and Aaron Rodgers. I know it's not the same, because you got Aaron freaking Rodgers as an MVP. Right. But, I mean, I just know Kyle Shanahan, just the way he's operating. The guy, I just don't think he projects. And he has a very small threshold tolerance for young, developing stars. I mean, he did that with plenty of rookies already in his career. Since he's been with the 49ers, you know, he holds rookies to a high standard and on a short leash, which is... Not really a fair chance, you know. Sometimes you gotta let the kids go out there, you know, and you know take some on the chin and then grow from that. And that's something I thought they should have done with Lance. And maybe after the first eight ten games, he would have been battle tested and good for a playoff run. But we'll never know now. But I just think if the way it's going now with Garoppolo, and you know, they're not really winning because of him. They're they're winning because of that running game and that defense. Right. Um, I just think, you know, Shans is going to be like, I will, he's going to be living in the moment and be like, we want it again. Let me do it again. Let me keep doing it. Because they've been running it back with the same squad since 2019. You know, 2019, 20. Right. If you look at the same rosters, they're all the same. So I definitely wouldn't fully rule it out.
3: It's going to be interesting. It really will. Well, Jose, great stuff as always. My well, man, you cover the 49ers like a glove. I definitely appreciate you. What you got coming out that um, folks should be on the lookout for?
2: Oh,
4: well, you got some, obviously, you got your typical game previews for this weekend. I'm looking at something about how far the, you know, it's funny as you brought up Arden Key, how far the how the 49ers' defensive front was able to make a huge spike in the second half of the season. Because first half of the season, the facts were low, they were bottom five, now they're top five. And a lot of that has to do with your boy, Arden Key. <laughs>
2: Arden can make a play, Key. <laughs>
3: That's your boy. That's your homeboy, man. You can keep him. <laughs> I'll take one of these sorry rappers these days before I take Arden Key. That's oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. See, I that's kid. That's not pushing PQ. I know. I know. I know. See how it is. I, I love being the old dude in the room. It's all good. All you guys are all my kids, man. All my children. I'll take it. Jose, great stuff as always, man. When you get out to Vegas, make sure you holler at me.
4: Oh, Always, Q. Appreciate you, my man.
3: All right, man. Appreciate it. There he goes. Jose Sanchez covers the 49ers like a glove. Him and DeMon are on the same page. Y'all still talking that same lingo. I'm okay with that. It's all good. It's all good. You can push the P. You can push the D. You can push whatever you got to push. Push it where you got to push it. I don't give a damn. 3.15 is the time. We're going to push that Raider Nation listening line when we come back. 7.02-365-9200. Rich in Oakland is up. ABA Ivan Davis. We got Raider Mike. We got all you coming up next on Raider Nation Radio 920. And all of a sudden, all the players, they come together. Mm -hmm. And they say when we come together, this locker room, and we hit the court at the Thomas and Mac, we are going to lay the smack down on them Lobos. Like that? Exactly. All right. Make a joyful noise unto the
5: Lord. I am very happy to be here. Amen.
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio
3: 920. Here's your boy Q. From Mike Silver on Twitter. If Josh McDaniels is hired as the Raiders' next coach, Dave Ziegler would almost certainly be the GM. And in that scenario, the incoming coach and GM would arrive in Las Vegas with a high opinion of quarterback Derek Carr. From what I am told, Carr has one year left on his contract. Again, that is from Mike Silver, this is unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Got a lot of patient listeners on the Raider Nation listener line at seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Rich in Oakland, you're up first. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, Ra- Raider
6: Nation, uh, Raiders Twitter is in shambles right now, huh?
3: Yeah, it is, man. It's a meltdown. It's a complete meltdown.
6: Yeah, it's a meltdown. I think it's because everybody wanted Harbaugh and they were so high on Harbaugh. And mm-hmm. you
2: know,
6: since it's not going to be him, it's going to be McDaniel's. And the thing about Raiders fans is so funny because. If you see somebody uh, complaining about McDaniels, it's like, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. I see you complaining about McDaniels, I don't like him anymore. It's like everybody, <laughs> like monkey see, monkey do. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter, that's what that's what it is. Because let's be honest, McDaniels, he's a great play caller. You know, he wasn't my first choice as my head coach. I wanted in hardball, like I said. But McDaniels, he is a good play caller. And if you bring Ziegler, you know, maybe we finally get a real GM, a real front office, mm-hmm. you know, a head coach who – who can have play calls for 2022, you know, isn't isn't necessarily like Gruden was kind of like stuck in the past. He had a good system also, but he was more like old school. Maybe, you know, McDaniels uh, ends up being new school and ends up being better for the better for us. But who knows? But one thing for sure, whoever comes in the building, whether it's Dodds or whether it's Ziegler and McDaniels, they're going to stick with Carr because they all like him. So in my mind, what I'm thinking is, okay, why don't we? extend Derek Carr but don't extend him to a four-year contract maybe a two to three-year contract and we go and draft our future quarterback in next year's draft which is going to be a better draft and we do it like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Mahomes what do you think about that Q
3: uh, thank you for the call my man I appreciate you and yeah I uh, just to answer your second question uh first yeah I mean that's a that's a strong possibility you know Derek Carr is not going to play forever you know, I mean, his brother was on Colin Cowherd. I, I did a whole podcast about it today. I know a lot of uh, different radio stations. I know our radio station here was talking about it this morning on the morning tailgate. Clay Baker and company were talking about it this morning. And... He's not going to play forever, so you've got to figure out you know, your next plan of attack. So I, I wouldn't have any problem with the Raiders dipping into the draft to find the next guy. I was talking about that a couple years ago when Jalen Hurts was in the draft. I thought that was a the guy they should go draft, let him sit behind Carr and develop, and when he's ready to move on, that Carr that is, then Jalen could take over. Well, that obviously didn't happen because he's with the Philadelphia Eagles, but that, uh, that idea is, is great. I think that's the way to do things. I think that that's the best plan of attack to be able to have a guy that you feel confident in at some point. Draft a guy and let him sit there. Let him sit there and learn. Don't force him into the fire if you don't have to. Derek Carr was forced into the fire, and he wasn't even – actually, he earned his way into the fire. You know, they were going to go with – who were they going to go with, Shab. Shab was supposed to be the guy when uh, he was drafted, and thank God that didn't happen. You know? Hey, man, doesn't he have an NFL record? I think it's like most pick sixes in the game. Yeah, but he hey, did. It's they a made, record. <laughs> when I, look, I was at ESPN Central Texas when he threw all those picks in a row, and there was a place <laughs> in Houston, no joke, that made a shop burger. They called it a shop burger. <laughs> and, yeah, it was so funny. Was, I mean, like they literally, there was a burger joint that actually had, they were goofing on them. But they named it a Shaw burger because was it like
5: five pieces of bacon stacked high, it was, five patties. What are they doing?
3: It was something about <laughs> it had something to do with, pick, you know, interceptions or picks in it. I forget exactly what it was, but it was it was something funny. So, yeah, there, I mean, even restaurants were goofing on shops. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr has been the guy ever since he came into the league. He's been the guy. And so at some point they're going to have to move on from it. And I'll say this when it comes to Josh McDaniels. I know a lot of people like like uh, Rich said, uh, Twitter is 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 just melting down my computer. I'm surprised it hasn't shut down already. Uh, I'll say this, man, the dude, you know that he is up to date with his offensive play calling. You know, he is, you know I mean? And that's all that everyone was talking about for the longest. Want to want a new, uh, you know, more innovative mind. Want more creativity. The Patriots are very stable as an organization. That's all everybody ever asked for. Hey, just want the organization to be stable. Just want the stability. Want to make sure everything is rolling. Well, and hey, that's what they want, you know, I got a tweet right now. Tell him not to hire McDaniels Q. Y'all don't need that Patriots nonsense in Vegas. That's from Westy. I'm assuming he's uh one out of town. He is Oh, he's a Bengals fan. So there you go. A Bengals fan. A Bengals fan hating on the <laughs> Patriots. <laughs> I ain't nobody. McDaniels just don't rub anyone the right way. Again, I said it at the beginning of the show and I said it yesterday. I didn't. I didn't want him just because I didn't think that it was going to be fun for us in the media. But I don't really care.
5: Something that all thirty-one teams can agree with, example, right? All the fan base is coming together,
3: right? Exactly. I don't think. Hey, man. I don't really think it's uh, uh that bad of. If they do, in fact, go with McDaniels, I don't think it's that bad of hire. I think he's a very sharp offensive mind.
5: I just. I also find it funny how just like the um the talk has now switched because now I now think that this is officially hardballs out of the running. I was the last caller just said like oh now people are mad at I think this. that's why
3: everyone got their their heart set on Dodds and and, and hardball and a lot of people got their heart set on Dodds and they don't even know who Dodds is I mean as I've said multiple times I didn't know who Dodds was we had to reach out to multiple people to get background on him. I was not going to try to come in here in front and act like oh yeah Dodds this that and the other he did and a lot of people believe that they know everything about Dodds and that he's the next you know greatest thing nobody knows that nobody knows what those interviews were like so I mean it just It kind of is what it is. Stackanova said, Q, you think Derek Carr will let the Raiders treat him like a placeholder? He has some leverage another franchise value. Him a bit more than Raider Nation so he can force a trade if he wants to. I didn't say a a placeholder. I said, put someone behind him and let him sit there until he's ready. Guy's been in the league eight years. It's not a placeholder. I said, how long is he going to play? How long does he want to play? Oh, funny you mentioned that. With Big Ben retiring, he is now the longest-tenured quarterback right. in the AFC. Who said? No one said Derek Carr wants to play 20 years. No one said he doesn't. He might want to play 20 years. But drafting a quarterback to let him sit behind us not being a placeholder, that's smart business. That's what smart organizations do is they go out and get a guy and start developing, just like they did when they tried to draft Connor Cook. He just wasn't a guy. He wasn't very good. It's not being a placeholder. It's smart business or unless you want to spend $10 million on a backup every year. That's bad business, in my opinion. It's so funny. You can't say anything about Derek Carr without someone getting triggered. Nobody called him a placeholder. I just said at some point the team and the organization is going to move forward with another guy at some point. Either
5: Even when you say that, people think that you're spending a first-round
3: pick on a quarterback, but no, not necessarily yeah, there are guys in the third. Connor Cook was round. a damn fourth round pick. Yes. And and I thought going into that that training camp, hey, that's great. Have a little bit of competition, have a little bit of youth behind him. Maybe you let a guy develop and it didn't work out. So I be can. it. Man, the more I keep talking about
5: Josh McDaniel, the more I keep thinking about his <laughs> resume, I'm starting. Oh man. Hell the Patriots did it. Look, that's why right, Jimmy G. No, I was gonna yeah. say with Matt Castle. Yeah. He was the offensive coordinator when Tom Brady went down to blew right. up his ACL. He went to
3: Kansas City. Or he went to where? He went to Kansas City. Yeah, and he went Buffalo to Kansas City and he's, after yeah. he won 10 games yeah, with exactly. the Patriots that season. So Josh McDaniels, You're man, just he, looking yo, he can for make some chicken backup. salad. I'll give him that. You're just looking for a backup. It's not that serious. It's not, it's not a disrespect. Everything that you say about Derek Carr does not have to be a disrespect. That's why I try not to talk about the guy because everyone takes it the wrong damn way. Nathaniel Hackett, he's the Denver Broncos head coach now. Is he going to bring Aaron Rodgers to the AFC West? Is it a possibility? Peter Bukowski covers the, the, the Packers like a glove. He'll tell us next on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness.
5: Unnecessary Roughness.
0: Here on Raider
3: Nation Radio 920.
2: I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
3: Here's your boy Q. The coaching carousel has been interesting, kind of slow moving, but there's been a lot of shaking, a lot of moving going on today, and in the AFC West, the Denver Broncos went ahead and got a guy in Nathaniel Hackett, who comes over from the Green Bay Packers, so that's another offensive mind added to the AFC West, and of course, there's a lot of questions around the Green Bay Packers. What are they going to do with their quarterback? What's their quarterback going to do with them? It's a whole lot of questions when it comes to the Packers. And to help us break it down is my guy, Peter Bukowski, uh, host of the Locked On Packers, plus does a fantastic job covering just the NFL like a glove. And, Peter, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. So, me and you, we actually talked about Nathaniel Hackett probably, I don't know, a month or so ago uh, when we didn't know what was going to happen with the Raiders head coaching position. You thought that that was a guy that would be good for Derek Carr. Well, now he's in Denver with the Broncos. What do you think about the hire? What does Nathaniel Hackett bring to the table?
1: Well, Nathaniel Hackett is – the connecting of dots is going to start right away, right? The Aaron Rodgers dot connecting uh, economy is, is booming right now. Uh, but everyone will insist that Nathaniel Hackett was hired in Denver based on merits, not based on some ploy to lure Aaron Rodgers. This is not um, some sort of crony hire so that Aaron Rodgers will come to Denver. Now, if Aaron Rodgers does go to Denver – that will be a, a nice fringe benefit of it and probably not, probably not a fringe benefit, probably a primary benefit. Um, but Hackett is an energetic figure. He is this, this live wire of a guy. I mean, this is, this is a team last year. They go 13-3 and three in 2020. And they are the most efficient red zone scoring offense of the last decade, one of the most efficient ever that we have seen. When they got in the red zone, it was done, book it. Nathaniel Hackett ran that red zone and they nicknamed it the Gold Zone. This is true, Q, because Nathaniel Hackett is obsessed with Austin Powers' gold member, the third Austin Powers. Hey, this is my and, kind of guy. And, 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 and they were yelling when they would, you know, there are no fans in the stand. Right. So you could hear them. They'd score a touchdown, and they'd scream out, I love gold! <laughs> he, he just is that kind of guy where everyone, he just brings this, this youthful energy, he's 42. He's younger than Tom Brady. Wow. That's, that's, that's crazy. And here, here is, I think, the, the real reason that he was hired, um, is he comes from a varied background. His dad, Paul Hackett, mm-hmm. is one of the architects of the modern West Coast offense. Mike McCarthy learned that offense from Nathaniel Hackett's dad, essentially. And so that was the offense or a version of it that he, would, he ran in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles when they were, by the way, number one. They were a top five points scored and yardage team with Blake Bortles <laughs> under center. Right. And then he comes to Green Bay with Matt LaFleur, who brings that wide zone, um, more Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan kind of offense. And Hackett was instrumental in bridging the gap between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. And so Matt LaFleur wanted to hire his brother. Uh, from from San Francisco, and this was before the rules that said um, you you can't block someone for a bon- coordinator job. Uh, Kyle Shanahan blocked Matt Lafleur from hiring his own brother away from his staff. Now Mike Lafleur is in is in New York uh, with Robert Sala, right. but he brought in Nathaniel Hackett, and it has, it has worked out terrifically um, for for both the Packers and Nathaniel Hackett. He is a, a beloved player uh, or coach among players among media. And it's not surprising that he was able to convince George Payton and and uh, Broncos ownership such that that exists right now um, that that he was the right guy for this job.
3: So correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't call plays in Green Bay, right?
1: He did not call plays in Green Bay, but did in in Jacksonville and okay. and I, in part in part of his tenure in Buffalo with Doug Marone. Um, I, I, be, I believe.
3: Okay, Okay. so I- as far as his challenges that he may have, I mean, look, look if he gets Aaron Rodgers, the challenger, challenges will be a lot easier, but we're not even going to worry about Aaron Rodgers. Just what do you think his biggest challenges will be as taking over as the head coach now instead of being just the offensive coordinator?
1: Well, it, it's a it's a much different job, and we see this over and over, that the, the job of the head coach is is so much more than just calling plays. It is so much more than just being a bright mind in your area of expertise. And and we see coaches struggle with this all the time. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels, in his first stint in Denver, and, and he, I bring him up um, not just because he might be the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it was a bigger job that he's ready to take on um, from a leadership standpoint, from an administrative standpoint. I mean, now you're in meetings with the team president. You're in meetings with the GM. You're in meetings with the owner Hmm. on, you know, on stuff as simple as, you know, Matt LaFleur talks about game operations and wanting to change. They changed the touchdown celebration at Lambeau Field. He wanted to add fireworks. Like, that seems like a little thing, but that's an hour and a half, two hours out of your day that you don't get to spend game planning, that you don't get to spend watching tape. And so how do you manage that stuff? And then you're the the point of the spear on everything, not just the offense, the defense. If there's a problem with the defense – you have to go into that room and say, "Hey guys, what's up?" If there's issues on special teams, you have to be able to go in and help. That's the genius of Mike Tomlin. He doesn't call any parts of the game, but if the offense is struggling, he's in those meeting rooms. If the defense is struggling, he's in those meeting rooms, and and the job is just so much bigger. So I think it's just an adjustment period. And then look, he's gonna he's probably going to be calling plays again, right. and, and that's going to be a readjustment now that he's he's acclimated into. Um, these multiple kinds of schemes. What what does that playbook look like? How do you stack those plays? How do you get back into a rhythm calling those plays? I don't think it's like riding a bike, especially if you're incorporating a new system. Plus, if they don't have Aaron Rodgers, now you have to figure out what the quarterback position is going to be, what that guy is good at, and, and go from there? I mean, that's, those are those are pretty big
3: questions. Right. It really is. We're talking again with Peter Bukowski here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Before I get to Aaron Rodgers, because that's ultimately, you know, the big elephant in the room, I wanted to ask you about a guy that Raider Nation is very interested in. That's Devontae Adams. Uh, the Packers right now are, over the, are, are set to be over the salary cap. But, you know, there's all kind of ways you can move that and manipulate it and get where you need to be. What is your gut feeling when it comes to Devontae Adams? What do you think the Packers will do as he enters free agency?
1: Well, I thought it was really interesting. Um, b- before the season started, there was this report that um, they had cut off uh, conversations. It wasn't that they, they just cut you off know, conversations with contract, and that that's not atypical. Um, that during the season you don't you don't uh, negotiate these deals. It happened with David Bakhtiari, and then all of a sudden in December he signed a contract. Um, but he was Brian Gudikins, the Packers GM, was asked flat out. Uh, essentially, do you think that Devontae Adams is worth being the highest-paid player in the league at that at that position? Because Devontae said, I want to be the highest-paid receiver in the league. He deserves to be because he's the best receiver in the league. And Brian Gudekin said, yes, we intend to pay him like the highest-paid player in the league. We just don't agree on what that means right now. And that is that is a pretty stunning omission or admission from a GM to say on the record um, if for a number of reasons. Now this goes back to the DeAndre Hopkins deal. Um, he was given an extension mid-contract that made it seem like he was making like twenty-seven, twenty-eight million APY, when really he only makes that much um, and only counts that much on the cap. I think one year of that deal. Uh, it, it, really, if you look at true value per year, the top of the market is like twenty-two, twenty-three, which I'm sure is where Green Bay wants to be. So if you look at the track record of the Green Bay Packers going back to Ted Thompson. They have never let a player that they wanted to sign for a real deal, like wanted to give top-of-market money to, they've never let a player like that walk. It just hasn't happened. And they don't use the franchise tag, but we got a report about a month and a half ago that they would if they needed to with Devontae Adams. Mm. To me, that was a signal to two people, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. (laughs) This was, y'all are not teaming up somewhere, all right? Mm -hmm. So get that out of your head right now. We are going to move heaven and earth to make sure Devontae Adams is on our roster in 2022. But I think it's also a, a thing to say to Aaron Rodgers, hey, we're going to move heaven and earth to make sure Devontae Adams is on our roster in 2022. So why don't you come back? Let's go do this all again, and we'll figure it out from there. This is Ian Rappaport reported um, the other day that he that is likely to be back in Green Bay, either on a new deal or um, on the tag. He has essentially said, I'm not playing on the tag. So there is a a potential standoff here coming, but Aaron Rodgers has said he intends to make a decision on his future by mid-February, late February, essentially before the Packers have to make a decision on the tag for Devontae Adams.
3: Yeah, before free agency kicks. That that makes a lot of sense. Again, we're talking right now with Peter Bukowski here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Mm -hmm. Just got a couple more questions for you. Go ahead, Devon.
5: Yeah, Peter, last night you said that Buzzy Dunlop – is even out here sourcing up some hot goss <laughs> on Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I get the reference. But how has it been covering Aaron Rodgers this past season? Like, and can you just explain how, how he became the most polarizing player in the NFL?
1: Well, the Aaron Rodgers take economy is always thriving. There's no inflation in that economy. It is just like business is booming. <laughs> um, and so there's always going to be an appetite for that stuff. Um, he became the, the, the most polarizing figure in the NFL in two ways, right? It started on draft night when um, he, well, he, we don't know if he did, but someone, and the only person that benefits to have this information out there is Aaron Rodgers, that Aaron Rodgers is not, is not coming back. That he does not intend to be back with the Green Bay Packers. And, of course, it happened on draft night because that is the original flight, the original sin for Aaron Rodgers with the NFL is draft night, that he fell um, to the Packers when he, he believed he should have been the number one overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers' his hometown team. He held the team hostage, held the fan base hostage, refused to say anything, and yet was the most visible athlete in the NFL. He's going on Sports Center, he's playing in the match, he's hosting Jeopardy, but not saying anything to anyone about actually what's going on. He's, he's in Hawaii on Instagram. I mean, he's like, he's like the ex who wants you to know that he's doing okay, not thinking <laughs> about you, doing whatever. He's, he's out thriving, and you're, you're sitting at home. And, and a lot of fans... I mean, I'm telling you guys, a lot of fans in Green Bay were pissed. They were happy with the way that he handled this offseason, not the least of which because this team last year went through all sorts of salary cap machinations to get this team back to where it could compete this season. And, and guys were taking void years, and, and they did all kinds of cap gymnastics that they don't ever do to make sure Aaron Rodgers could come back to make sure Devontae Adams, um, or not Devontae Adams, but to make sure that guys like Preston Smith and Darius Smith and Billy Turner and Adrian Amos and core guys to their, their mission could come back and they could try and compete for a Super Bowl this year. And then he comes back and he, he airs these grievances in a press conference and, and makes it seem like, you know, my favorite was he confirmed basically every report that was out there about his unhappiness and then at the end said that the media made everything up, which is just like, <laughs> Jessica's perfect. Right. Um, but then we have this, this drama with Immunized. I, I've been immunized. He, he, you know, at best, like most diplomatic reading, he misled the public and the media about his status. He turns out to not be vaccinated. He misses the Chiefs game because he's not vaccinated. And then goes on Pat McAfee during Packers practice. I don't think we can emphasize that point wow. of it enough. Wow. During Packers practice, he's on Pat McAfee's show saying all of this stuff about Joe Rogan and Ivermectin and, you know, every that that he did and now all of a sudden this becomes a political thing he's 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 doing interviews with espn three days before a playoff game worried about joe biden's vaccine mandate and it's just like (laughs) is this is this really what we're doing is this what we should be focused on why why is this happening and then and then goes on pat mcafee show this week and says um that there were a lot of people rooting against the packers solely because of his vaccination status. He has become, in his own mind, oh, a wow. martyr for the cause. Oh, gosh. And so, you know, I think he, he um, at once hates being polarizing but loves the attention that it is bringing him. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's just one of those very weird things. And, and I'm going to be honest, after the way that this season ended, there are a lot of fans. I mean, I, I put out some clips from my show after the game on Saturday talking about Aaron Rodgers and talking about this team and the disappointment. There are a lot of chief heads right now who are just sort of over it. They're just <laughs> sort of like, you know what? We're, we're, we're sick of the drama. We went through this with Brett Favre 15 years ago. Like this is, we've seen this, right. right? This is not new to Packers fans. The will he, won't he game the, I don't know all of this stuff. It's like either you're with us or you're against us. And there are a lot of Packers fans that are ready to go. Hey, we spent a first round on Jordan Love, Denver, You want, we'll take Jerry Judy, we'll take Patrick Sertan, and we'll take two first-round picks, and let's go. And you can have Aaron Rodgers, and we'll figure it out, and we'll trade Devontae Adams to the Raiders, you, uh, for a first in Trey Merrick, what do you say? What do you guys say? Let's make this deal right now. Let's <laughs> have,
3: let's what you gotta do? What is this? Let's, it? let's make a deal, in the air. A- <laughs> <laughs> all
5: right, let's get somebody on the phone from Denver, and we can all get this straightened out right now. That is
3: too funny. That is too well. That's that's. Well, I've got to ask you then. Go that, ahead. That
5: makes me ask the question: Do you think that if Jordan Love had to ta- had to take over the reins next season, do you think he'd be a capable starting quarterback?
1: Well, so that is the that is the. Um, Potentially hundred million dollar question, right? <laughs> that um, let all the steam
3: out of you too. We were all fired up, and all of a sudden you got calm now. <laughs> I,
1: I think I think what 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 Jordan Love can be in eventually is is a, a good NFL starter. I and mean, I I like Jordan Love. I think more than most people did coming out before the Packers even drafted him. Um, I liked the tools, but I'm sort of a sucker for the hey he needs work. But like look at these wild plays. I'm I'm a little bit of a sucker for the splash plays. Um, and, that, and that means I like Josh Allen more than most people, but I also like Deshaun Kaiser more than most people. So I'm just going to be wrong sometimes, and that's fine. Um, but when I'm right, I really get to say I told you so, right? So anyway, the, the, the offense that the Packers are running with Matt LaFleur, this, this um, Sh- Shanahan's tree offense, is made to prop up quarterbacks who tend to be a little bit risky with the ball because it gives them defined reads, it gives them high lows, it gives them schemed up first options where it's like, okay, on this play we're throwing to this guy, and he's going to be open. And so you've seen Jared Goff. Hey, it worked in L.A. Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, it's working in San Francisco. Kirk Cousins. Hey, it's working in Minnesota. Baker Mayfield when he's healthy, that offense is capable because um, uh, uh, it does for the quarterback. So if Jordan Love were to start for Green Bay next year, and they, I, I don't think they need to go through some sort of full-on bloodletting. I think they can be a, a, a fine NFL team. I think they can be a nine-win team with Jordan Love. Now, do they get to keep Devontae Adams? If they do, I think they could even be a ten or eleven-win team because I think this defense is really good and and really talented. And and uh, I think they 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 showed that on Saturday night, fully healthy. They're they're monstrous potentially. You get Jair Alexander back, and and if you're able to retain Devondre Campbell, there's there's a lot of talent there. But I don't think the Packers are going to make any decisions based on Jordan Love's readiness because he is not so ready that they're willing to say, hey, Aaron, actually, you know what, deuces, we're good. I just don't (laughs) think that that's the situation that they're in right now. Um, And they made that clear last year when they offered him reportedly a top-of-market deal. Um, Rodgers confirmed that the Packers did offer him some sort of new contract, um, new money. What that looked like, we don't really know. But Matt LaFleur said on the record, we want Aaron Rodgers back, and everyone in in the organization is in lockstep that we want Aaron Rodgers back. Now, could he be playing semantics, right? that yeah we want him back but at at, at a Drew Brees Tom Brady uh, discount double check rate maybe they want the Rodgers rate but uh <laughs> Rodgers wants the Mahomes rate right so <laughs> they they might be he or the Patrick Price dang i messed that up it's all good um, we, we're
2: with you man we're with <laughs> you we're sold
1: <laughs> so so maybe so so maybe they're, 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 that's their way of sort of like weasel around it without without lying um but I, I my my guess at how this all plays out is Rodgers is back this year. Devontae Adams is back and and they figure they figure some of this out and then in twenty twenty three that's when that's maybe when you start to feel the pain of of kicking the can down the road. The New Orleans Saints are understanding what that looks like right now.
2: Yeah.
1: Um and, and so I think that's where the Packers are. They're they they have really no, no choice, um, or no good choice other than to make this the last dance too. There and you see go. if the sequel can be better the ori- than the original. Right. Make it like Terminator. There
3: you go. There you go. I like it. Great references right there. That's the great Peter Bukowski, and I say great because he does a fantastic job covering the Packers, covering the NFL each and every day. Uh, Peter, man, we're going to have to get you a radio show, dog. I know a guy, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep in touch. But, hey, what do you got coming out that folks should be on the lookout for?
1: Well, uh, if, if you are a a, a a closet Packers fan in Las Vegas, we've got a, a newsletter for you, the Leap, on uh, theleap.substack.com. Um, and we had Amon Green on the show uh, this week on Locked On Packers. You can nice, go check that out. Uh, we've got a we've got a lot of good stuff coming. So appreciate everyone, um, and uh, appreciate you, Q. Hey,
3: no doubt about it, my man. Thank you so much. Great stuff as always. We'll talk soon. All right. Man. All right, there he goes, the great Peter Pokowski, again, man, does a fantastic job covering the Packers like a glove, and that was a lot of great information that he, uh, he broke down for us, talking about uh, Devontae Adams, talking about what he thinks is going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, letting you know a little bit about Nathaniel Hackett and what the Broncos are getting and the head coach. I'm telling you, man, when we go and do some deep diving and some deep researching around, here we go deep. Just saying. three fifty ones at the time. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness, Unnecessary
5: Roughness.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
5: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy Q.
3: Well, it's been a fast and furious show like it is each and every day. But, of course, when you get some news right before your show happens, get a little bit of tidbits from the insiders, it makes the show even better. Right, let me pass this along real quick. If Raiders do hire Josh McDaniels, don't overlook the chance that they improve in the red zone. Been a problem for a long time. Patriots rank 7th. In red zone touchdown scoring, sixty three percent last year with a rookie quarterback. They also finished sixth in third down conversion rate at forty four percent. Not a lot of Raider Nation is not right. Raider Nation is not excited, Vinny, about Josh McDaniels. It's all good, but a reason like that is one reason to get excited if he potentially does take the job. No doubt about it. And that's uh, all everyone's been screaming about. Gonna Fix the red zone. I'm going
0: to say this. Um, you know, I, I've gotten a whole bunch of texts today from various people in the NFL. And once McDaniel's name really got out there, um, and it's been out there, trust right. me. Yeah, um, it was consensus. The Raiders will be on the right track if that's what they do. And it's not just bringing in Josh McDaniels. It's probably going to be bringing in Dave Ziegler, um, who he's worked with in Denver and uh, in New England. Potentially even Champ uh, Kelly, okay. the, uh, who they you know um, interviewed yeah. last week. Uh, he's with the Bears, but he was with them in Denver as well. So it's kind of a combination of things. But you're right. You know, everyone wants to focus on two years in Denver, which I understand and I get. But we've all been around long enough to understand you can't just judge somebody on one situation. You have to take a look at the entire picture. And if you take a look at the entire picture of Josh McDaniels, including who's always advocated for him to come back and stay and remain and coach. And we're talking about Tom Brady. We're talking about Bill Belichick. Doesn't that
3: speak loudly as well? It does. It really does. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm. I don't want to say excited. I'll say this: the one thing I didn't like about Josh McDaniels, and this was me being selfish, is I didn't think that our our media sessions would be that great. He doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be real talkative. Uh, I think he's going to be more talkative than Bill Belichick. Okay. But, uh, but and that's and that's why I was, that's and yeah. that was just
0: me being selfish. No, no, and and I, I, I I've you know heard the same things, and you think about the same things, right. but from a from a Raiders perspective and yep. a leadership perspective, and trying to get them to that next. Uh, level this could be a match made in heaven because you know that and, – and here's something that you, I think Raider fans need to keep in mind. He is highly selective. Right. He doesn't go looking around just for anything. He's right. in a good position in New England. This is a compliment right. to the Raiders.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's not trying to bust a slump. You know what I mean? Like, this ain't 2 in the morning, and, and, and you know what I mean? He's just getting out the club, and Get he's taking up. anything. Yeah. There's called slump busters for a reason. And he ain't that's not what he's <laughs> no, trying to he's do. He's looking for the right situation. Exactly right. Exactly right. All day Raider A said on the Salmon Ash text line. Q, it's funny how people were always comparing Stafford and Carr, but look at what Stafford has done with a stacked team, a great and aggressive play caller, a really good defense. How about we get a GM and head coach that looks to do the same thing for us? We already have the core pieces in place. Just finish stacking the cupboards and take this team to the next level. I believe he's talking about Josh McDaniels. Vinny Bonsadino is up next. It's Raider Nation Radio, 920.